This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the Weld.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington, and today I'm sitting down with Greg Richardson. He's the head of business development here at Weld.com. How are you doing today, Greg? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Greg, you're you're pretty new over at Weld.com. Can you tell us a little information of how you got connected? Yeah, actually, it's a really unique story how I ended up at Weld.com. I've known about Weld.com for a number of years through some friends. And what ended up happening, there was a phone conversation over the Christmas period where I called a friend. We just had a, a quick conversation, you know, about life and and things that were happening. And she hung up the phone. And the next thing I know, about a week later, I get this random text from the business unit head of uh, uh, Weld.com. And uh, it was best. And she basically says, hey, you don't know me, but looking for somebody that has your personality, your qualifications. And so a conversation just ensued from there. And we had lots of back and forth, lots of good conversation. And turns out that both of our visions uh, aligned. And here I am. Yeah. After about a month of conversation. So, yeah, it's good. Well, so speaking of that vision, what is the vision you have for Weld.com? So Vest and I both see that in the welding industry that technology adoption is is a little on the slow side. People want to do it, but they don't know how. And my vision was always to bring sort of an educational component. I've always been very passionate about the welding industry for a number of years. And I've always wanted to get involved in something where I thought education was being passed on to a large number of people. And when Vess explained to me some of the stuff they're doing on the educational side and mixing it in with digital content and marketing, it literally just resonated with me. And, and, and it started checking all the boxes for things that I wanted to do further down my, or, you know, further on in my career. Well, that's awesome. For people that don't know what we're kind of working on, can you give them a little insight onto what to expect from the future of Weld.com? Yeah. Uh, you know, with Weld.com, when we have conversations about, you know, what the company does and because some people look at what well.com was in the past and where it's going in the future. And they're two, you know, they're, they're, they're polar opposites. Right. Mm-hmm. And the way we like to explain it is, you know, it's kind of a three phase thing. So the first phase was two gentlemen filming, you know, making YouTube videos out of their garage. That was the genesis of well.com. And from there, you know, somebody thought it would be a good idea to, you know, kind of take this up a notch. And then it became two guys filming YouTube videos out of a really high-tech laboratory with all kinds of cool equipment and high-tech video equipment. And so that was phase two, right? Mm -hmm. And then from there, sort of what happened after that was we started looking at, you know, how do you reach a broader audience 
And so out of that blossomed all kinds of other things. So now you've got, we still have the YouTube channel. The YouTube channel is growing at a rapid rate. I think we're up to 762 or 63,000 subscribers. And so that's a significant base, but now we're into all kinds of social media, every channel you can think of Facebook, uh, uh, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, whatever else is out there. We're in almost all of them. And then, you know, that the, if you think about what's the next, uh, what's the next thing on the horizon or what's the next logical step. So we've got our well.com app, which is soon to launch, which is going to be appearing, I think, in the Apple Store in a couple of weeks. So we're pretty excited about that. Oh, yeah. And so, that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of the three phases, right? It's the two guys in the garage, two guys in a lab, and now we've expanded to all these different avenues. And it, oh, in addition to that, you know, instead of being just two people filming, you know, in a laboratory, now we've got hosts that are spread out all over the country. I think we are up to 21 hosts now in the three or four different countries. So, it's, it's becoming this global community that we're very excited about where it's going and, and, and what's sort of coming out of it. Yeah. So I, I got into welding and went to school. And like one of the first days they showed us a weld.com video. And that was my intro to weld.com. And all through school, anytime I had a question, bam, weld.com had an answer. So it's cool to see the evolution that it's taking because everybody has this very, they're very attached to what it was, but it is growing in a different direction then. It's kind of showing people different insights because I feel like that is something, it's hard to, when you're in welding school, to get a bunch of different insights because you have your instructors, you have your other students that you're learning with, but then you have videos to watch online and there's not a huge variety of welding tutorial videos out there with what's coming out of weld.com. There is going to be a new educational side. Can you give us a little bit more info on that? Yeah, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. So that's kind of one of the foundational aspects of weld.com and where we're driving what we do. It's a lot of what we do is going to be centered around education in the sense that we're basically combining two things. Education is at, at the, the core, it's sort of the, 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 the foundational stone, right? But then you've got like the, with, with YouTube, when you bring that into play, so there's got to be uh, this sort of uh, entertainment concept to it, right? So we try and blend the two. And it, with education, where we're going with this is uh, I mentioned earlier that we now have 20 up to 21 hosts. Well, a lot of our hosts are CWI and, you know, uh, welding instructors and the content that we're going to be putting out. We've basically mapped it out for the next year. So we've got a plan on all the topics we want to talk about. We're, we're starting to get those topics assigned to our educators and what they're doing is they're mapping out exactly how they're going to have discussions about each one of those topics. And then they're mapping out what the, what the content's going to look like. And so that's going to be the, the, the sort of the foundational part of not only rolling out the future content on channels like YouTube um, and Instagram, things like that, but it's also going to be sort of the, the basis of what we're doing with the app. So with the app, you know, you'll, you'll have, let's just say somebody is looking for, they're, they're new working for a distributor, right? That would be a great example. 
So they come into a distributor. They don't know much about welding. They want a, a quick, you know, sort of educational sort of series on, you know, MIG welding, TIG welding, you know, all the aspects that are, that are involved in the industry. And they literally could go to the app and click on each one of these uh, different types of welding or, you know, different categories. And they could, it, it's literally like a crash course. And so that's kind of where we're going is with the educational piece is we want people to have quick access to information that they want. And we want them to be able to look it up quickly and be able to find it quickly. In addition to having the social aspect to it also, but the, like the educational piece, it's literally the foundational cornerstone of everything that we're doing moving forward. That's awesome. Because I know I, when I was in school, I did structural programming I was in, and one of the tests that I had to take was a 3G MIG plate, and it was impossible for me to find any any tutorials on how to run a structural plate with MIG without a backing plate. It's just going to be nice having a place you could go, and it's like an encyclopedia of processes and tutorials. Yeah. You know, the other thing that I'm blown away with, and this is, uh, it's a technological advancement, and I think it actually helps with everything that we're driving towards is uh, the the video capability and the ability for a camera to literally just drive down and get that, you know, sort of three-dimensional shot and view of a weld puddle and what happens while you're welding. You know, that access to that kind of technology, we didn't have that, you know, a, a few years back. And it's becoming more highly advanced as we, you know, as we move forward. And it also makes all that instructional, that tutorial and educational content, it makes it so much easier to get the point across when you can say something and then you can see it at the same time. It just, it, it connects with people and it resonates. Yeah, that that has been one of through my journey of with weld.com learning how to film a weld puddle was very frustrating but exciting like the reward of seeing it afterwards was amazing because i thought it was never going to happen i tried so many different ways but it's funny what you can do with the technology like i have a bunch of different cameras that i've used throughout the past that i mainly use for just like still photography and now i'm shooting weld shots on it and it's just cool seeing like what you can do yeah yeah talking about your past. We were talking a little bit before we jumped in and you were saying you got into the welding industry in a kind of weird way. Can you tell us more about how you got started in the welding industry? Yeah. So before I came into welding, I actually had an entire career at United Parcel Service. You know, like anybody else that starts out there, I was fresh out of high school, was loading trucks at 2 a.m. in the morning, worked my way up. Eventually, when I left, uh, I was managing a group of folks that there was 70, more than 70. Um, so there was roughly like 60 drivers that went out every single day, and we had a crew of about 70 plus. And that was where I sort of got my start with, you know, my career and just how to run a business and, you know, exposure to things like that. And then one day, a friend of mine approached me and just asked me to go to breakfast. And my wife had bought, my wife and I had been discussing moving from California back to Washington State, which was, both of us, you know, had family in Washington State at the time. 
And so I go to breakfast with this friend of mine and he throws a catalog with 800 pages of stuff in there and asked me if I knew what this stuff was. And I responded with a a resounding no, never seen this stuff before in my life. So I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But my wife and I knew that we wanted to start a new life in, you know, outside of California because we wanted to get back that direction. And so this friend of mine convinced me, he said, hey, I can I can teach you the, the welding stuff. I just need, you know, a certain personality to, to be able to navigate this position that I have open. Right. And so we took a leap of faith. And uh, this this friend of mine actually was very instrumental in sort of driving a passion for welding. And it didn't take long for for that to kind of grab hold. Uh, now, it took a while for me to get all the processes down and everything because I came at it through a non-traditional uh, avenue. I came through wholesale. And so what I was doing was I was selling all of the widgets, porch kits, contact tips, safety vests, hard hats, glasses, eyewear, boots, everything, right? And so I had to learn everything from the ground up. But then again, I wasn't doing the actual welding. So my experience there was very limited. Got more of it over the years. But uh, the cool thing was, is I got to see every aspect of it, right? Yeah, from where I was at, because I was making contact with people, you know, not only in like the purchasing side, but uh, sort of on the safety side and the people that were actually doing the, you know, doing the job, rolling up their sleeves. So I got to see everything from, you know, soup to nuts, as they say. It's funny because people always say welding will take you to all sorts of interesting places. And in the sales side, what's the craziest place you ever went to? So I wasn't expecting that. Um, you know, I, I remember the last time I was in a place where I saw scaled up production. And when I saw just the scope of how big things were, you know, when, when you go walk into a, just a massive building and they've got all kinds of lifting devices and hoists that move, you know, pieces of metal that weigh anywhere from, you know, 50 to 80 pounds up to several thousand pounds and they transfer from, you know, one station to another, and you get to see the whole process, you know, of manufacturing from raw material, and it gets all the way down to some small little widget, and you see everything in between. I think that's the thing that, I mean, it literally left me in awe, and it, it's, it's very memorable. In fact, I remember the name of the place that I went into the first time I ever saw that. It was somewhere down in middle, you know, central California, and I was just blown away. <laughs> um, yeah, it was cool. It is pretty cool seeing just all the different type. You must have seen a whole bunch of different industries inside of the welding industry. Because when people think about welding, the first thing that people usually think is like pipe welders, guys out there welding pipelines or, you know, shipbuilders. You know, there's there's big things that people think about, but there's so many intricate different parts of the welding industry that like. You orbital welding is like one of my new fascinations, and I had no idea what it was until a couple months ago when I saw an orbital welding machine. I was like, "Dang, that's pretty cool!" Yeah. As you've been in the welding industry, you've been in it for a while. How yeah. have you seen it? It's changed a lot over the past, I would say, ten years. What would you say you've seen kind of trends that have happened? Gosh, there's a lot of them. So the the first thing I want to mention, you know, like when I first got my start, 
it's another cool thing that I've experienced in the welding industry, right? So there's this thing called the Tulare Farm and Ag Show. It's down in Central California. It's in a town called Tulare. It's the biggest thing that they do. In fact, it's the only thing they do all year other than grow, you know, they, they farm out there, right? So there's not much that goes on. But this show actually attracts like a quarter of a million people through the gates every single year in this little tiny community. And you'd be shocked, you know, uh, they used to do these name tags. They don't do them anymore. But uh, on the name tags, uh, a lot of years ago was where they were from. And so I was always amazed, you know, you'd see, you know, in Central California, you'd see Michigan, New York, Saudi Arabia, Israel, Mexico, like you, you, the, the, the people that came through there looking for new technology and new new things in the welding. Well, not necessarily just the welding industry, just the farm and ag, right? And, and welding was a part of it. And so you talk about sort of the evolution. I, I remember that one of the first shows I ever worked was um, we were just migrating from a welding helmet that actually had a nine volt battery on the outside was the power source. And they had migrated over to, you know, like a double A battery, right? And that was the latest technology. And that was something new that was, that, that was in you know, welding. And so just, you know, watching things like that, you know, technologies evolve. I've seen like the welding helmets because I've got a couple of friends that uh, were, that I was really close with that uh, sold welding helmets throughout the years, right? So I've seen almost 20 years of evolution in the welding helmet and just to watch how today, like the standard is just this um, uh, there's a couple of names for it, but they call it one, 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 one technology, or I like to just call it, you know, 3d real life colored, you know, technology, right? Because yeah. today you can just look through the helmet and you, you see everything It's crystal clear. There's color to it. It's not just one simple color and shades or shadows of it. So that's been pretty astounding to watch, you know, that transition take place. And I think the other thing that I've always also been sort of astounded is just what's going on in automation. Yeah. Right. You see the advances in automation and, you know, like the things that are, are the, the, the new thing that's out there today is Hobots. Uh, are you familiar with what those are? With Hobots? Cobots. Oh, Cobot. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it, the, the name is short for collaborative robot, right? And so it's a scaled down, smaller version of like these robotic arms that you see in a lot of these big manufacturing places, right? But they're smaller. They, they, they fit on a tabletop, right? And just to see, you know, it, you know, go from these big monstrous machines down to some of these smaller things that can actually learn different tasks in a matter of a short period of time. The, the adoption of cobots is kind of the next thing that I see as being, um, you know, around the corner that's going to be, you know, something for small and mid-sized businesses. I think you're going to see a lot of that in the future just because of their adaptability and what they can do. That's something that I feel like, uh, so the college I went to, they just started having a robotics program in the welding um, mm-hmm. department. And I feel like it's it's kind of a fear of everybody's is that robots are going to take all of our jobs and we're not going to have jobs anymore unless we're operating a robot. You know, But using technology to do more is never a bad thing. It's just a lot of people don't like to adapt. Yeah. You know, my thought process on the the robotics you know streamlining manufacturing has always been not not one of fear that jobs are going to be lost in fact if anything i've looked at it from a complete opposite lens 
I've always thought, you know, when you bring robotics or um, some sort of automation into it, so you've got basically uh, an assembly line, right? So if you take a process and you come up with a way to, let's say, triple the output of whatever that step is in the process, you've still got a whole assembly line, right, downstream that has to keep up with what you just put out. So now if you're putting out three times as much product, you have to have somebody downstream that's assembling whatever it is you're making, right? And so I've always looked at automation as job creation based off of something like that. Now, does it get rid of a couple of jobs? Yeah. But I think on the flip side, it creates a lot of jobs downstream because it's it, it, it's requiring more people to keep up with the increased production. It's like Amazon, you know, yeah. Am- Amazon is a huge company and it's essentially, you know, a lot of it's automated just because people are going and clicking a button, sending it right to your house. But then there's a whole team of people behind it that have to keep up with that demand. So, exactly. Like the yep. robotics definitely comes into play there. Yep. Kind of transitioning over into business, you were talking about using the robots in small business in the future. But if you, so you have a background in building businesses and helping business grow, talking to a student in welding school and they're just like, hey, I want to grow in my career as right. much as I possibly can and start my business. What is the most important thing that they need to be focused on? I would say there's a couple of things, right? Number one, first and foremost, don't skimp on safety. Absolute most important thing. Uh, PPE is important. I've always believed that, uh, especially in welding, right? Like there's certain areas of your body, especially your eyes, um, you need to protect them. And having the proper equipment is definitely priority number one, right? Being safe, going back home to your family every single night, not having to you know, worry about returning in a condition other than you went to work is, that's priority number one, right? Uh, number two, I would say pursue your passion, right? You know, people that get into the welding industry, there's so many different areas or ways to sort of showcase your skills and your talents. You know, some people are good at TIG, some people work well with aluminum, some people, you know, just have this artistic brain, you know, if you if you like to build things, go into fabrication, right? If you like art, create art. There's there's lots of opportunity. I see people that start up businesses out of their garage every day, and the things they create is is both beautiful and mind boggling at the same time. You know, and and I tell some people like, if you want to make money, learn TIG. Yeah, TIG is right? very it it is very time consuming, but very pretty. Yeah, uh, it's one of my favorite processes as well. But I I don't use it as much as I do a lot of fabrication. So it's MIG is very important to me because it's very fast, easy to clean up. You can just knock things out pretty fast. But TIG, I was recently welding at a bar. Like I do a lot of stuff in bars and restaurants, and they needed an extra support leg on a a countertop, and it was right next to paint, like the wall. They didn't want to repaint. I didn't want to burn everything up with BBs going everywhere. So I just tigged it out, and it was really fun. It's all the different applications you have for different processes. People, a lot of times, people are just like, oh, 
they get stuck in one. They're just like, oh, Stick's the best. No, Mig's the best. No, Tig's the best. You know, but they all have so many different benefits. I feel like that's something people get lost in. You know, the other thing I would tell somebody that's just starting out is from an economic standpoint, right? There are people in the industry that are a part of a certain age demographic, right? And they represent sort of the top of the bell curve uh, as far as sheer numbers, And those are the people that are retiring today. And so if you look at statistics, the people that are retiring out of the welding workforce, the the number that are retiring out versus the number that's coming in is there's a gap there. There's a staggering difference, actually. And so if you get into welding, you know, the one thing that you can rest assured upon is that you're going to have work. You know, you're not going to be short of work. In fact, I think that they, they're projecting, I've seen numbers where three to four to five percent increases in welding job, you know, just the sheer number of welding jobs that are going to be required moving forward. And if you couple that with birth rates and everything else, if you look at those tables, we're actually the number of people that are having children these days, the, the, the trajectory is in a downward trajectory. And so if you look at the translation there, right, there's going to be more jobs than there is people for the foreseeable future. So you're not going to be lacking for work moving forward. Speaking of work, when you are going back to the small business, so you're starting out a small business. What is your advice on growing a small business? I would say two things. One, be the best at what you do you know, showcase your ability and showcase, you know, the, the, just your expertise. Right. And then the other thing is, and this is becoming more and more easy by the day, if you know where to go is get your marketing sort of in lines, because today somebody with a limited budget can actually market at scale and size if they know how to do it and compete with a Coca-Cola or a Microsoft or, you know, somebody like that. Right. Um, The beautiful thing about technology and the internet is all things can be leveled if you, if you know how to approach it. So those would be my two, two pieces of advice, be the best that you can and showcase everything that you do and get it out there into the world because it's becoming easier and easier uh, to get your message out there and your branding. As far as marketing, are you talking more on social media or doing like ads or what, what type of marketing are you saying? Yeah, I think uh, social media plays a, a, a big role in this. You know, there, if you look at, there's a whole generation of people that are making a living off of creating YouTube content, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I can think of four or five that I listen to on a regular basis. Um, you know, I've got sort of a background in finance and there's a couple of finance guys that I geek out on, you know, a couple times a week and, I know for a fact that, you know, uh, two of them had big, cushy corporate jobs and they have basically quit those big, cushy corporate jobs in, in favor of doing YouTube channels, right? Gives them, you know, the freedom to do what they want. They can earn a living doing it. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of uh, things that that you can do to, to create your own path, right? And so because that opportunity is there, I see the same opportunity, you know, with small and mid-sized businesses you know, with social media, you have the ability to reach so many people on a global scale. And it can be done with not much effort if you reach out and you connect with the right people and you get the right help. 
I know social media has been really big for the welding in industry in general. Before social media, people looked at welding as just kind of a mystery where it was like, that's a really dangerous job. It's really dirty. But mm-hmm. then then social media came along and Instagram made welding one of the most satisfying things to watch ever. And yeah. um, as far as going into the future, how do you see technology influencing welding going into the future on social media side? With technology, I think it's easier today than it ever has been to glamorize and, and highlight sort of the, the the good things about, you know, an industry where people maybe had an impression that it was dirty or nothing but hard work, right? You know, there, there's so much that you can showcase out there that is literally, like you said, works of art, right? There, there are things that are absolutely necessary. You know, people that do a lot of pipe work, you know, working with alloys and, uh, you know, titaniums and stainless and stuff like that. And the work comes out beautiful. So not only are you doing something that's necessary for society, but you can also uh, do it in, in, in a fashion and you're so professional at it that you can literally highlight it on social media. So I think the ability to do that, um, and sort of bring the two together is nothing but good for the industry. And I think the the, the artistic side, there, there's a lot of opportunity there. I see a lot of people opening up and, and becoming more of that artistic stuff. And there's a lot of use, you know, utilitarian use for artistic ability, right? Mm-hmm. If you think about, you know, there's a whole industry around designing gates and fences. You know, there's an area where you can combine, you know, just daily useful skill with artistic ability at the same time. And it's real easy to showcase that stuff. And, you know, if you think about it, some of that stuff can just be done with good old fashioned stick. Right. Yeah. And, you know, if you just know how to put things together and you can shape metal a certain way, you know, you can take good old fashioned stick and turn it into something pretty beautiful. Well, that was when I first got into welding, I bought me a little Harbor Freight 80 amp stick welder. Like it was just my practice welder and I started welding all kinds of things. You know, I feel like when you're in school, a lot of people are like just getting into it. You're very narrow minded. I need to just learn how to pass these tests. And I feel like that's my one gripe with education is that they kind of set you on a straight path of like, this is what you got to do to get this job. That's going to be the rest of your life instead of showing what kind of social media, YouTube, everything is showing all these different avenues that you can go with it. And it, you don't have to have the most complicated machine and like, you don't have to go buy a engine driven welder to have sit in your backyard for you to weld up little art pieces for your yard like etsy shops are huge i look on there all the time with my wife and because she i'm teaching her how to weld because she wants to start making art pieces and we look on there all the time and it's amazing how many different random things you can find on websites that people are just welding together in their backyard yeah yep you know the other thing is i i I'm, I'm amazed at like the technology that's going into the equipment, right? Uh, and I'll give you an example. There's a, there's a friend of mine. I live in the Pacific Northwest, and there's a group of friends that uh, there's a local racetrack. It's a quarter-mile racetrack, right? And so they're constantly building these, you know, machines that, you know, they're trying to outdo each other on the quarter mile. Roll cages is really, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into that and some other things. And, 
Um, there's a local shop down here, and I'm amazed at the work that I see coming out locally. And, and one of the guys that I know has a machine that's not part of what you would refer to as the big three, right? You know, the, the main manufacturers of welding machines or power sources that's out there. He's using a brand that, that, you know, a lot of people may not have even heard of before. And you look at the work that he puts out and how long he's been putting out that work just kind of goes to show you the quality of the machines that are out there and what you can get uh, if you know what you're looking for and you, and you kind of do your homework on that. Hey, everyone. If you are looking to pick up a new machine, head on over to store.lincolnelectric.com and you can use one of our promo codes, weld.com10 for 10% off equipment or weld.com20 for 20% off gear, accessories, and these are going to be good for the rest of the year. Again, that's weld.com spelled out W-E-L-D-D-O-T-C-O-M with 10 or 20 after, and you can snag some sweet new gear at a sweet new price. Well, being so that has been on the side of selling equipment, uh, what would you look for? Like if you're telling someone... Hey, if you're looking to get a really good, stable machine, what are the types of things you would say to look for? You know, I I can't answer that question, and here's the reason why, right? So, you know, inside of our weld.com universe, right, so we've got all these educators and, you know, people that have lots, lots more experience than I do. I mean, I'm a novice welder, to be honest. But in, you know, having conversations with people, you know, when you, you, you throw out a task, right? Like I'm welding, uh, you know, a roll cages with, you know, stainless, right? What's the best machine, right? And the amount of back and forth that I see go, you know, between these conversations and the pros and the cons of each machine, it, it's amazing how many people can make a solid argument for this one or that one. Um, or this brand or that brand. So what I would say is, if I were to answer that, I would say pull in people that have similar experiences and similar skill sets that you do and find out what they use and then go with the one that has the features that you're going to use most often. Because they all have slightly different bells and whistles and features and they're, you know, this one over here, you know, this this certain manufacturer may not have one feature that's really important to you, but this one over here, you know, might have that feature and that might be the difference, right? Yeah. Well, that's something you see on a big thing on YouTube as people doing shootouts of different machines and all that. But I, in my background of music, so like if you're a struggling musician, you're not going to go out and buy a $30,000 Gibson Les Paul. You're going to make the most of what you have. And I feel like Today, an age with like the inverter technology and like all these different manufacturers of machines, there's a lot of different opportunity to get something that might not cost as much as one of your giant machines you see on the back of a pipeline or truck, you know, but it's still going to be able to do the stuff that you want to do. And on the business side, so if you're a small business starting out and you have a limited budget, what would you say your main three things would be to focus putting your money into first to maximize on that back end? You know, I would say if you're going to maximize your dollars, this might be sort of antithetical what you would think 
initially, but I would say go with a multi-process machine, right? Mm-hmm. Right out of the gate. It's going to be more expensive, but it's, you know, if you think about, okay, well, do I need three machines or do I just need one that can do it all? I would say that would be my, my first recommendation. The, the second one would be to your welding helmet. You know, that's another important choice. I mean, for a variety of different reasons. Um, some of them have bells and whistles on them, you know, and something just as simple as reading, you know, uh, sort of all the specs on there. Like, you know, I know people that will go and do low amperage TIG, right? And, you know, not realizing when they buy a, a helmet that, you know, let's just say a certain helmet can only go down to 25 amps, but you've got another one that's sitting right next to it that can go down to 5 or 10. Mm-hmm. That can make a, a difference if that's you know how you're making your living and that's you know if you're 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 doing that type of welding right so I would say invest in your your welding helmet is probably the the, the second piece of information and your eyes are the most important thing right so I wouldn't skimp on the welding helmet unless you're just doing five minutes a you know once a month or something right yeah but as a professional don't skimp there I would say probably the the third would be to invest in uh, like a small business course, you know, or get yourself a resource, somebody that's been where you want to be and ask them about the pitfalls. What did they, what did they goof up? What did they do wrong? What do they wish they could have done over again? Right. Um, You know, and that's actually kind of, you know, it's, that's one of the things that Weld.com is going to be providing this kind of a glimpse into the future. We do have a series coming up that's aimed specifically at small business and starting a small business. And so um, if I'm going to give a plug for that, I would say, you know, wait for that small business series to come out. And that would be number three right there is take the advice from somebody who's been there before and, and alert you to the pitfalls. I look forward to watching that one too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another big thing that a lot of people don't think about when you're starting a business, you know, if you're just like, hey, I just want to start a simple repair business, branding, that is something that is a whole industry on its own. Do you have a lot of experience in the branding side of businesses as well? Branding in what way? So Weld.com just went through a rebrand, right? Where it's yep. it's like a new look, new vibe. As as far as giving your business an identity, like how do you help people figure that out? Branding is important. And, you know, having the right look, obviously everybody wants the right look and they want something that's catchy, right? But if you look at something as simple as like the Nike logo, mm-hmm. just, right? it's something very, it, it's very simple. You know, it started out as, you know, just a single color. And um, so, the, you know, branding is important, but I think what's more important is getting whatever your brand is, getting it out there. And this goes back to the conversation we were having about the marketing piece, right? Mm-hmm. Um, being the best at what it is that you do and then highlighting that brand and highlighting that expertise that you do, I think, is the most important part of branding. Um, if you make the, you know, unquestionably the best product that's out there and I'm going to throw a name that's out there. Like if you look at today, Tesla, mm-hmm. you know, Tesla is, uh, you know, they, they've got a very simple logo, right? It's just a T inside of a little, uh, you know, sort of a pat, like a, an emblem or a shield and they do zero advertising at all. They don't pay for marketing. They don't have a marketing department. Um, and they rely on word of mouth and, Social media is a big thing with Tesla, right? And it's also, they make the best product out there and they let their product stand for itself. Yeah. 
And so I would say, like, if you're if you're looking at branding, you know, my advice would be make the best product and, you know, let the world know about it. I like that. I like that a lot. Weld.com is a great resource for newer welders. But as far as older welders, so like let's say there's a welder that's been at a company for like 15 years and he wants to branch out and just do his own thing now. What would you what advice would you give them to start thinking about how to branch out like on their own? I see an opportunity for people that have that sort of experience, right? Mm-hmm. There there's a big demand for mobile welding. If you've been around for a long time and you have a lot of experience, you've probably got a few bucks saved up, right? And so the investment that you would have in, you know, uh, you know, a machine, maybe two machines, uh, a vehicle to get you somewhere and be able to take all your supplies with you. I see massive opportunity for that. And I see people start up businesses all the time because there are people that just don't want to, you know, monkey around with, you know, taking the time to weld something up. They'd rather make a phone call, come out, take care of it for me. I've got other things to do. And the thing is, you know, in, in, in regards to that, you can charge a premium because people don't want to deal with it, right? They just want it to be over with and they just want to move on with their life. And so that's where I see for somebody who's got experience and is looking to branch out into their own, I, I would say that's a direction to, to explore. You said something about the experience something that popped into my mind is older, more experienced welders consulting people. It's like consulting other younger growing welding companies in music. I worked as a music consultant, like where I went and worked with bars, restaurants, hotels, making their music playlist. That was my job was a consultant where I shared my experience of this is going to be the best vibe for your spot. And I feel like that's something that welding teachers teach new welders, but I feel like there's a whole opportunity for, especially if there's a social media network just for Mm -hmm. welders, you know, there's an opportunity for you to partner up with newer welders to really share that experience because a lot of people I talk to, they learn the most from older welders on the job because they've just been doing it that long and it takes just the hours and energy of doing things to, you're never going to learn everything you possibly can know about welding out of a book. You're going to learn it in the field and having like a resource for people to share that knowledge would be huge. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, you know, that that's another thing. I guess this is a shameless plug for Weld.com. You know, we're, we're, to this very day, we're still looking for additional resources. And, you know, inside of our app launch that's coming right around the corner will be the opportunity to have that kind of interaction, you know, because there is that social interaction and, you know, the fact that Weld.com is a focused audience, right? You know, you're not going to come to Weld.com and see pictures of, you know, grandma's pie recipe and, you know, <laughs> your, your buddy having a beer at the airport. is in Because those things are not present, right? That, you know, the people that are there are focused on, you know, doing what they're doing. And that's inside of the, you know, the welding trade and the welding industry, right? If you can get connected with an audience you know, uh, I, I see consulting as being um, a great opportunity, you know, as another avenue, you know, other than mobile welding, consulting's uh, definitely uh, an avenue that somebody could pursue, you know, moving forward. And if you're interested, 
give us a call. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's some opportunities that are going to open up in the near future for stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So you said you're a novice welder. What processes do you do? Do you do all all the different processes, or is there just like a few different ones? Uh, you know, I just what I've got access to in my garage. I've got a, a little Hobart 140 MIG welder. Okay. And you know, I've done some you know small projects around the house, and uh, that's pretty much the extent of it. You know, the 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 other part of what I've done and what I've had experiences. Um, you know, when I go to these. Uh, shows right like the that Tulare farm show there's times where um you know you're just kind of sitting around waiting for the day to end usually at the end of the day right so you go over and you start playing with people's equipment and having conversations with them so um i get a little bit of exposure to stick and take that way but but for the most part that's been my exposure on a personal level is just my little 140 that i've got in my garage and there's a lot you could do with a 140 machine yeah when I that was a very intimidating thing when I was getting into welding I was like okay I don't have I don't have a big old 240 amp breaker that I can just plug into I got to yeah. find something that I I can run off of a normal socket in the meantime you know Yeah and I I feel like that is another industry you know the hobbyist industry is something I feel is coming up in the the machine side, you know, it's like they've always made kind of hobbyist machines, but you see so many more these days. There's like endless brands. If you just look up like 110, 110 welder, you're going to see so many different brands just like doing that. And I feel like that's another, like welding is a professional industry, but there's also a huge other side of the industry that is for the makers and the hobbyists and people like that. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, the other thing I think you're going to start to see, and we're already seeing some of it, is there's, uh, and I'm going a little bit, you know, off topic, but I think there's going to be opportunity for welding fabricators domestically here, right? Because if you look at geopolitics and everything that's going on in the world today, right? Supply shortages, commodity shortages, and everything that's going on, you know, fabricator is another place where I would say, you know, for somebody that, that, that is looking for opportunity, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for people that can fill in the gap for something that has been lost through a geopolitical process, right? And so a lot of those jobs are going to be sourced domestically here or, you know, Canada, United States, you know, North America, that type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so I see a lot of opportunity, you know, in that sort of space, if you have the ability to be adaptive and sort of uh, uh, nimble, right? That's a that's a great uh, great way to put it. Is and that's where kind of the cobot thing comes in. We were talking about that at the beginning of the conversation, right? Yeah. So if you're looking to produce massive amounts of something, you can get the help of uh, you know one of these little cobots, and you can still run a small shop and be nimble and take on different jobs um, and, and fill a need, fill a void. We're talking trends. I, I like the idea of trends because everything's constantly changing and bringing the like being a fabricator. That was something that 
when I went into school, you take a test and it tells you what you should do. And like it's a careers and welding dot com or careers and welding. I think it's through the AWS. But mm-hmm. you take a little a little uh, quiz and it says like first time I got Boilermaker and I wasn't happy with it. So I took it again. So and then I got Fabricator. I was like, yeah, that's what's up, you know. But there's I feel like people get confused with Fabricator versus Welder and they don't understand. They're like, wait, so you're a fabricator or you're a welder? And it's like, we're, we do both. It's, it's both. <laughs> it's yeah. one thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But these cobots, when do you think you'll start seeing those like out and about? Are they already out on the market or is this something oh, yeah. new? Yeah. They're out, in the, they're out and about in the market. There's several, there's several manufacturers that are out there um, selling them today. And if, if you attend events like FabTech is the big one, right, for, you know, uh, welding and, and fabrication, they're already out there. They've been out there. You'll see them this year at FabTech. There's a couple of companies that um, are close to us that we're aware that they've got new ones coming out, right? So that's kind of cool. Are we going to see them on weld.com? I suspect you may in the very short future, yes. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That, that kind of spawned another question. So say you're a welder with your small business and you want to get brand endorsements, right? So uh, how would you go about, like, say you need consumables. So like your flap disks, your wire, you know, a lot of people will get endorsements where they get a percentage off the top instead of paying $50 for it, you'll pay 30. If you were a small business trying to, get those endorsement deals where you trade your exposure on online to them for promoting their product for a cheaper price. Uh, how would you go about doing that? Like, how would you approach a company if you're trying to, you really like their product and you want to support them, but also be supported at the same time? I just had a conversation with somebody outside of our industry about doing something similar to this. And the advice that I got, which I deemed to be sound advice, was that you need to, if you're going to approach somebody and you want to partner with them in, you know, let's just say it's a large company, right? So what would what would be the reasoning they would want to partner with a small business, right? You know, if you think about it from, you know, from the large company's perspective, it's like, don't see the the value in it, right? Or the return on equity. So the advice would be to do a little bit of homework. So if you're looking to have somebody that you want to partner up with, find a connection, you know, find a, 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 I'd call it an emotional connection, right? Hey, I see that you are partnered up with this charitable foundation. Me and my buddy have been working with them for the last six months. We enjoy working with them. I think we can, you know, I can highlight your product and we can, you know, help grow the charitable foundation at the same time. That's an example, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the, that, that would be the emotional connection that you would make with that person that you're trying to get, you know, an endorsement, uh, you know, deal with, right. Or you're trying to partner up with either that or give them, you know, statistics and demographics that's going to literally benefit them to, to partnering up with you. Like, why would they want to do it? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this is my business, my business. I cater to this group of people. This is the demographic that I target and this demographic fits in with your demographic. And here's why I think we should be good partners together. Right. Those are the two 
sort of the two angles that that I try and take. And, and I would give that same advice to other people that are trying to partner up with with you know uh, suppliers. Yeah, because I feel like that's just. Uh, there's so many facets of running a business and there's so many different avenues you can go to get a bigger reach, but also maximize your profits by not having to pay so much for consumables or materials. You know, it would be awesome if you can get sponsored by a steel yard, you know, yeah. as a welder, but I don't think yeah. that happens, but, um, <laughs> but you can definitely, become friends with the guy that works there. You know, I, I feel yeah. like it's business is all about making connections. And like the last uh, conversation I had with a welder on the podcast, we were talking about networking. And if, if you were saying, if you were going to give someone advice to where they can start networking, where would you say for a welder to go to just start growing their network of people? So I'll start off by quoting someone. Your network is your net worth. And I I, I found that to be, I don't know, eye-opening, right? Like every time I hear that phrase, it just, it it makes you stop and think about what it is you're doing, right? And it's absolutely true. And so I would say if you were going to network in where you would start out with, I would say look at those people that have been established in and have a good following, you know, inside the welding industry today, like AWS would be, you know, that's, that's a place, right? So if you want to network, you know, get involved in your local AWS chapter, they're always looking for help. Right. And, you know, being involved with somebody like the AWS would be a great place to start. You know, another place to start is would be, you know, your gases and welding, you know, GATA. So there, there's another place there. They have several networking events throughout the year. You know, they're regional and then there's nationals. That's a great place to, to start networking if you're, you know, looking to build your business. I know several people that got involved in, in those two and, you know, they, they rapidly grew their business, you know, with all the connections they were able to make. Another source would be possibly a buying group. You know, if you're starting up, you know, welding distribution, you know, there, you see a lot of these that, that will spring up out of, you know, someone coming from what I call one of the national chains, right? Um, someone will leave there and they want to do their own thing. They want to pave their, you know, pave their own path. And so one of the first things that they do a lot of times is they will join one of the buying groups that are out there. There's three major ones in play today. And the networking that occurs inside of those buying groups is phenomenal. It's it's amazing what you can learn, the resources you get access to in a short period of time. And so those three places I would say that you could start off with as a small business. And then if you're looking to grow and you're looking for your social media exposure and that sort of thing, I would uh, highlight right back to weld.com. Our audience of over a million people is is it's a great place to reach others. Definitely. Definitely, yeah. especially with the new new app coming out. Not trying to do too many plugs, but yeah, <laughs> I'm excited. I'm just excited to see where it goes, you know, because there's so many different social medias, but there's not any that are so targeted directly to one type of community. And I feel like that's going to be a really cool thing about the Weld.com app is that it's. It is a huge resource for people trying to learn and people trying to network. And it's just, you could do it on Instagram right now, but there's 
it's a small, small fraction of what the platform is, and this one's going to be hyper focused on one industry, and I'm I'm excited about it. Yeah, you know, if you if you think about all the things that it's going to be able to do, I mean, it's a, it, it can be, it will be a single destination. Yeah, social media, advertising, job listing, job posting, Q and A, education, you know, all of that stuff. It's all going to be wrapped up in one place and. Today, in order to get all of that, you have to go to multiple different places. You got to know where to go, and so to to be able to you know consolidate resources is kind of an exciting thing. Yeah, a one stop shop, as they say. Yeah, yeah. Because there's Grubhub if you want some food, and then there's yeah. Weld.com if you want some welding. <laughs> well, we've had a really good conversation about growing business today and just new innovations in the welding world. And I'm really excited about this app launch. Is there anything else you want to touch on before we sign off today? You know, I would just say, you know, my final thought is, you know, when I, when I came on board with Weld.com, I really wanted to figure out, you know, a place that I could land where I could impact the, the you know, the community at large. And I mean, the welding community, right? And, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to all the stuff that's in the pipeline that we have lined up. And I think it's just an exciting time to, to, to be not only here at Weld.com, but to be in the welding industry in general, right? You know, there's a, there's a shift in all kinds of things. You know, technology-wise, being able to socially interact and get information like we were talking about earlier. So I think it's just it's an exciting time to be in the welding industry, and I'm really looking forward to, you know, the the things, the change that's about to come, and it's around the corner. So that that would be my final thought. Well, I'm excited about it too because I, I haven't been in the welding industry the longest, but I ever since I've joined it, it has been a very interesting community that is. Very, very involved. Like in the music community, people are very about their own work. But in in the welding community, it's everybody wants to help. That's that's the thing that I've found. And Weld.com has been a really big help for me. And I look forward to seeing how it grows to help more people. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate your time. And I'm excited to see what you pump out and the new innovations you come up with, man. Bo, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate your time, yeah. and I appreciate everything you do. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington, and we have had a great conversation today about building your business. If you have any questions, make sure you can head on over to Weld.com and ask them in the forum. And until next week, we'll see you out there.